Good morning again, everyone. It is good to see all of you today. It's good to hang out with you a little bit this morning on this beautiful Labor Day weekend. Well, a little cloudy today, but it's still a great weekend. I know many of you have had families and friends over. I myself have got to have my children all home with me, and that has been very exciting to me, and I've got to spend some great time with them and um, just catch up with them and hear what's going on in their lives and it's, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, it's been a great weekend so far. Today, we're kicking off a brand new sermon series called Better Together, and we're going to talk about the importance the community of believers plays in our lives, or should play in our lives. And I'd like to just pause for a moment and ask you to contemplate with me for just a few seconds the result of what's happened in our world over the last few years. I dare say that We are a lot more impatient with each other, a lot more isolated from one another. We have a lot fewer healthy interactions with each other. The results of this this worldwide pandemic have given the world more fear, more worry, has heightened our anxieties, and has chased us to the basements and further isolated from one another. And the community that the believers have with each other has in part and in places faded to the background in many of our lives. Now, I'm not today making any political distinctions or drawing any lines or calling anyone out. I'm just making an observation as what has happened to us. We were not created to be isolated in fear. Really, we were not created to be isolated, period. We are not. God sent his son that we might have life and more abundant life at that. He created the church body to encourage each other in our walks and to build one another up he created us for community he created we've been created to do life together created to be with together and to go with one another we're reminded in ephesians chapter 4 verses 9 to 10 that two are better than one because they have good reward for their toil for if they fail to lift up his fellow but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not lifted another to him up. We weren't meant to, to do this thing called life alone. We sometimes read that verse uh, for, during weddings, right? But we're not, we're, not, we're not to do this life alone. In this dog-eat-dog world, when we feel the pressures of life and, and even uh, when we feel the pressures of our own failures and weaknesses, it is so vital, so vital to be connected in Christian community and to be surrounded with and encouraged and strengthened. See, Christianity doesn't exist outside of community. The enemy works through isolation. If he can get us on our own, he can can defeat us. If he can divide us, he can conquer us. But if we're together, we can stand strong. See, Christianity doesn't exist outside of community. We read in Hebrews 10, 24-25, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We must be together and encouraging each other in faith because we are better when we are together. There's an old, there's an old illustration that's been told about a man who had been absent from church for a long period of time, and one evening the pastor decided to make a pastoral call to his home. 
And the pastor was invited in, and, and really no words were spoken between the two as they sat by the fire warming themselves from the night air. The man was sure, was absolutely sure that the preacher was preparing himself for a fiery sermon on the importance of, of not cooling to God's word. And as the man sat by the fire, he just watched the preacher poking the fire with a stick. Some time passed. The man began to think the preacher perhaps lost his nerve. Then he realized the fire that the preacher had been tending had grown very large and very hot. The man watched as the preacher slowly removed one ember from the heart of the fire. He watched as that ember, once on fire and white hot, now separated from the heat of fire, began to smoke and cool. The man stared at that cold dead ember for a moment and, and watched as the preacher gently placed the cold ember back into the fire. The man watched as that ember once again caught fire and began to glow white hot. Still, not saying a word, <clears throat> the preacher stood up to leave. They walked to the door in silence. Then the man spoke up and said this, Preacher, thank you for that fiery sermon. I will be there this Sunday. See, we need people to encourage us and to challenge us and at times even poke us and prod us. There is a great disadvantage if we are not together in fellowship and in prayer and the study of God's word. Jesus prayed in John 17, 21 that we would be one as he and the Father were one. Oneness can't happen from a distance. We need people to help us fan that spark of, of our faith and grow in our walk with Christ. And how do you do that? The writer of Hebrews says it this way. By meeting together. Friends, we need to be together. We need to be praying together and studying God's word together and serving together. We need to be worshiping together and breaking bread together. We need to greet one another and look each other in the eye and, who are fellow pilgrims on this road of faith that we are on. It's the relationships we have with one another that keep us firmly planted in the ways of God. And without this, Without us, without you, without me, each of us can easily be swayed and so easily be moved in a direction that is just not spiritually healthy. So let me draw your attention to some words of Jesus found in, in John chapter 12 as we, as we begin our, our discussion today. These words of Jesus now are being shared as Jesus' time on earth was quickly coming to an end. In these passages, we see Jesus in a conversation with his disciples, his friends, the men with whom he has done life with, the men with whom he has done community with. Reading from John chapter 12, verses 23 to 25, and Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies... It bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life will lose it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So the hour had come. They had shared lives with one another. They had traveled and experienced so much together. And there's a lot going on here. First, as we, as we look at this whole idea of this grain of wheat, Jesus is saying that you cannot see the potential of that grain of wheat until it dies, until it is planted, and it springs up into new life. In the same way, we're reminded that we truly can't see Jesus unless we look at him through the lens of the work that he did on the cross, his death and his resurrection. 
we need to understand that apart from the cross, there's no forgiveness of sin. There is no new life. We need Jesus in our lives. See, the answer for all of our needs can only be found by looking through this lens. You know, why does this happen in my life? Or why does that happen in my life? Those why questions are really hard to answer. But when people ask those questions, we can say to them that we are planted, that we know that we are planted in the community of believers who pin their hopes and prayers on the love that Jesus has for each of us as demonstrated on that cross. That out of death and sorrow can somehow spring up new life and hope. And we believe that with all our hearts. Secondly, he says, whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So I thought about that a little moment. I was kind of wondering, you know, what's going on here? What is he really saying to us? And I think that Jesus is basically telling us to get a life. But how? Well, it's not by asserting yourself or pampering yourself or doing things just for yourself or changing yourself, but it's by dying to self. Dying to self means that the things of our old life, when we come to know Jesus as our Savior, are put to death, more especially the sinful ways and lifestyles that we were once engaged with. We don't go there anymore. We instead engage where new life is found and cultivated. A place where we care for others and serve others and grow to be more like Jesus. This is the stuff of eternity here. And so I also wonder here if Jesus isn't trying to convey the importance of being grounded and planted in the community of faith. So I began to think about that a little bit and began to talk, think about this whole idea of, of grains of seed and, and being planted and what that kind of meant. And I read some things and watched some things. See, the main purpose of a seed is to be planted and to grow. Without planting, a seed is just a seed. Alone, a seed is only potential, yet no life. Yet as it is buried, as it is planted, it can grow into something amazing. It produces a harvest, something special, something worthwhile, something to be shared with others. In its death, it somehow brings forth new life and new seeds and so much more potential then a church can and should be that thing. A place where you don't have to live your life on alone. A place for people to grow and find new life. A place where amazing things can happen and we can see the power of God move, where people can be discipled in their faith. A place that desires to restore God's ideal in our community and has so much potential to build one another up and share each other's burdens. It's amazing to me how important the church becomes when our lives get pushed around by stress and hurt and pain. At times of great loss, God's people will say, I have said, I don't know how I could have made it through without the church. I don't know how people do it without Jesus. See, it's the body of believers, the community of the saints that gives us the strength to meet the winds of change and trials in our lives. Lean on me. When you're not strong, I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. A song that we sang a lot. Why? Because together we are stronger. And when we are planted firmly in the community of faith, we can find strength 
and care and love. But, but pastor, but pastor, come on. There's a lot of other places other than the church where I, I, where I need to plant myself these days. And indeed there are. There are so many activities, so much to see and do and experience. I've got friends, you say, and family and hobbies and plans and work life and play life. I've got all these things. And I'm not here today suggesting that we give up any of that. What I am suggesting is the church and its community seem to grow more and more distant the longer we remain away from it. It becomes easier and easier for us to find reasons to neglect meeting and worshiping with God's people. It becomes easier and easier for us to rationalize that, you know, the church really is not needed. And the priority of it falls further and further down our to-do list. I am also reminded that we can allow our image to reflect more and more of the world instead of allowing our reflection to look more and more like Jesus. And the further we distance ourselves from our brothers and sisters in Christ, the blurrier our image of Christ becomes. Or another way to say this, I suppose, is birds of a feather flock together. We need one another in this world that seems to be absolutely out of control. We need a deep-seated relationship with other men and women of faith. We need a deep, deep relationship with our Savior, who has, in fact, overcome all this nuttiness and craziness in the world. Reading from Psalm 1, 1 through 4, we, see, we read this. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits at the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaves do not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Pastor Jaime last week introduced this, this verse to us, and so I thought I'd just ask this question. It's rhetorical, but something to think about. So who do you hang around with? Who are your people? Who do you listen to? Where have you planted yourself? Not that it's bad to have all different types of people surrounding you from all different walks of life, but who are the ones that speak most directly into your life? To whom are you listening? If we look at verse 3, we read this. The blessed one, he is like a tree planted. Again, we see this idea of being planted and growing and bearing fruit. See, you can't bear fruit if you're not planted, and you cannot bear fruit if, you're not, if you are planted in bad soil or in soil that does not provide the things you need to grow and be strong. Be it a seed that grows into a new crop or a seed that grows into a mighty tree, here we see the importance of being planted near and in things that help you produce the best kind of fruit in your lives. To who are you listening? So if, if people are like trees... We need to be planted in the best possible place. We need to be planted, grounded, and rooted in our Lord. See, in the, in the busyness of life, in times of feast and famine, when times are going great, or in the fiercest storms of our lives, Jesus is our living water. He is our hope. He is our life. And in him we grow and flourish and is the best place to plant your life. 
But see, there's also another side to this. At the very end of that verse, for those who are planted in places that have little eternal effect or have tried to plant themselves in mineral-deficient or in life-giving, water-deficient environments, well, they are planted in nothing to sustain them and are blown from here and there like chaff in the wind. And I'm reminded of the quote as I thought about this, that only one life will soon be passed, but only what's done for Christ will last. See, many people have been in this season where we feel like we've been blown around a bit. Some of us feel alone. We have struggled with, our, with, our, with mental health and have been trapped in isolation. We realize that our routines have been disrupted and the ebb and flow of our lives have been changed. So perhaps we need to be reminded of the need to plant ourselves. And we need to plant ourselves somewhere and in someone for, for us to choose to grow and live our lives. And we need to choose this place and this person wisely. Continuing with this idea of being planted, I'd like to look at another passage of Scripture found in Psalm 92. Here in the Psalm of Praise, describing how great the works of the Lord are, and we read this in 92, 12 through 13, the righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like the cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of God. The writer of the psalm describes again the importance of where we plant ourselves. When we plant ourselves in the house of the Lord, what happens? We flourish and we grow. Here we see the writer using words involving different types of trees. Understanding the nature of palm trees, the readers would have understood that and would have immediately identified with the fact that palm trees are really, really strong. And I think we have a picture of some palm trees. There they are. They're really, really strong. They survive the fiercest winds and the toughest storms. Now, I'm not from that part of the world. But I can think of palm trees as it relates to, like, the tropics, right? And we know, we've all seen uh, footage of, of, of hurricanes and things coming through and blowing these trees and how strong they are. It takes a lot to take down a palm tree. And you know what? And they only get stronger And they only flourish more the more that they grow and the older that they get. Then the writer moves on to cedar trees. There are cedar trees in Lebanon that are said to have lived for like two to three thousand years. Let that sink in a minute. Cedar trees that have lived to two to three thousand years. The trees are huge, and they grow to heights of like 100 feet, and they have, and they have trunk diameters 8 to 10 feet. A single tree living that long may have been alive at the time of Jesus. That's amazing. These trees are, are characterized by their longevity and their strength. They're a strong and protective wood, cedar. And you know, both these trees spark thoughts of strength and life, and protection. And when you are planted in God's house, you grow strong in your faith, and you flourish. As the mightiest of trees started as a seed, and a seed is not planted, that is not planted will remain alone, and a seed that is not planted will be alone around, and a seed that is not planted will produce no fruit and no new life. See, we need to be planted in the house of the Lord so that when we face the challenges, we will not be alone but instead be lifted up, prayed for, encouraged, and cheered on. Which begs the question today, 
Where are you planted? Has your, has your life been planted in the house of the Lord? With the fellow believers along the streams of living water, or have you chosen to plant yourself somewhere else? Continuing along this tree idea, I, I thought of the giant redwood trees along the west coast. Now, these trees are enormous. I, and I, has anybody ever been out to the redwood trees? A few of you? I have never been. It's on my bucket list of things to do, but I've only ever seen pictures of it. And these trees can reach heights of 350 feet tall. And they can have diameters in their trunks of 30 feet. These are massive trees. Big, big, awe-inspiring trees. But see, an interesting thing about um, these trees uh, that I learned is that their root systems are relatively shallow. They only go down like 5 to 10 feet, their root systems. These huge trees. I would not want to be there with a shallow root system in the middle of a storm, right? Be afraid of these trees falling on you. But the thing about these trees that I also learned is that the roots grow out from the trunk like a hundred feet. A hundred feet. They're, they spread their roots out. And over time, these roots, the sustainers of their lives, begin to intertwine and fuse with other roots. They begin to share nutrients with one another. And they're strengthened as they fuse their roots together. When one tree is in trouble, the others come to its rescue. What a great picture of the church and how it should be with each other. When one falls, another is there to pick them up. When one struggles, struggles, others come around and share the burden. See, unless a seed is planted, it remains alone. The church is not just a place, but the people of God. And unless we plant ourselves in the people, in the body of the church, we remain alone. And we are strengthened by it. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is a picture of the early church. We see the true nature of the community of believers and the impact that they had on the world. In Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, we read this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And awe, and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs, signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed together were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, to any who had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts and praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. I love that. Now, if you aren't familiar with this chapter in Acts, uh, uh, Acts 2 here, the first 41 verses really are describing the Holy Spirit and the, and, uh, on the, that's coming on the followers of Jesus. These believers were together in Jerusalem after Christ's resurrection and returned to the Father. Peter had just given this this awesome sermon had talked about the presented the gospel to just over 3,000 people who came to faith that day. And let's just take a minute and think about that. That's pretty awesome, I would say. So that's what's happening now in verse 42. This verse kind of functions 
as kind of a summary statement to this whole passage, while the rest of it elaborates and builds on that initial statement. And if we learn nothing about the early church here, we explicitly learn that they were devoted. They were dedicated. They were committed. They were, dare I say, planted firmly in the fellowship of the church. They were all in. They knew they needed one another and the community of believers to do life and to grow spiritually. They knew it, they knew it, they knew it. A Danish philosopher once wrote about a town where a fireman lived and everyone really liked the fireman. He was a nice guy. He always had great things to say. And one day there was this fire in town and the fireman charged to the scene like firemen do, right? And all his fellow firemen came with their heavy equipment. And as they came toward the fire, much to their surprise, they encountered between themselves and the flame some 200 townspeople. And each of them were standing there with a water pistol going, squirt, 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 squirt. The fireman asked, what's going on? A spokesman for the group stood up and said, well... We appreciate all the wonderful stuff you firemen do and all that you do for our community. And each of us has come to contribute a little tiny piece to your work. Squirt, 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 squirt. The fireman said, what? What, what? I, I don't get it. You're all crazy. Yeah, they said, we realize that, that we could do more. Right, folks? We, couldn't we do more? Oh, yeah, most definitely. But we just wanted to offer this little token of our support. Squirt, 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 squirt. You don't know what you're doing, shouted the fireman. True, they said, but you have to appreciate the fact that everyone here is doing a little bit for you. And everyone said, amen, and squirt, 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 squirt. At that, the fireman shouted, get out of here. Get out of here. This is not a picnic. This is a fire, and a fire doesn't require well-meaning people to come and make small contributions. A fire is a place where people come to give their lives. Firemen are devoted to their call. Our mission is to spread the good news, to tell others about what Christ has done for us. This place, our church, must be a place where people can come and give their lives and build up each other. Not a place that we're here just to enjoy a, a great service or hang out with friends, but we are here to give our lives and give it all. We need people all in. See, are, are we here to give our lives for the sake of Jesus and the kingdom of God, or are we here carrying our water pistols going squirt, 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 squirt? These early believers gave their lives to see God's kingdom grow. They had a passion of a firefighter when telling others the good news of Christ, but they also knew that to be a firefighter, they had to know stuff. They had to be grounded in the basics of firefighting, or in this case, grounded in the basics of our faith. These early believers knew that they needed to give their lives to growing spiritually. They needed to give their lives to each other in fellowship. They needed to give their lives in prayer and worship. They knew the importance of serving and worshiping and growing together in the community of faith. They understood that not only were they better together, that was the absolute only way they could possibly live. And that is awesome. They understood that the way to change the world was to be planted in faith and to live life through example. And they were devoted. And you know what? The world changed through them. You and I are here today because of that early church. Without their devotion, their willingness to plant themselves in the house of the Lord, we would not be here today. 
The early church, they, they wanted to be together they, in fellowship with one another. They had real spiritual needs that, that led them into real fellowship and authentic community with others. Their fellowship meetings were, were really had little to do with being at church, but it had everything to do with being together. And as they planted themselves in the community where they shared life with each other and in the temples and in their homes, they became pilgrims on, a journey, on this journey of life together. And as, they, and as they grew together, they gave freely to one another. They, they grew stronger with one another. They cared more deeply for one another. They built on common experiences, and they had this intense feeling of responsibility for each other. They were indeed planted, planted along the stream of plentiful water, and as they did life together and devoted and planted and rooted and encouraged one another, what happened? The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Friends, we've, we've, all, journeyed, we've all journeyed through tough waters over the last few years. Our routines have been changed. We have been disconnected. Um, and it's been really easy to fall away from one another. Fall away from the habits that are the most important habits for us to cultivate for ourselves and our families. It's been easy to drift away. And as we have gathered around TV screens to do church, yes, it has created some simpler routines and, and, and rhythms. Yes, it has forced us all to slow down and reboot. And I get it. In fact, it has caused us all to rethink some things and some routines in our lives. But as good as technology is, it cannot replace the fellowship of the saints and the community that's created when God's people gather. It can't replace it. It cannot replace the need to grow together and serve together. See, we need each other, and that means we need to be present with one another. If we drift, if we drift from the habits that plant us in the house of the Lord and wonder, why do I feel alone? Perhaps it's because we've uprooted ourselves and are no longer planting. So, an interesting question to ask today as we've been thinking about trees and planting. Perhaps there are some arborists in the, in, the, in the fellowship today. But when's the best time to plant a tree? I don't know. Some might say spring or fall. But in reality, the real answer to that, the best time to plant a tree was like 20 years ago. So you could reap its benefits. When's the best time to be planted in the church? Some might say a long time ago. But do you know the next best time to plant a tree or to be planted in the church? It's today. Right now. Right here in this very moment. Today you can make a decision and create habits in your life that will help you and your family to become more fully deeply rooted in the house of the Lord and the community of believers. You could do that today. So I encourage you to come and be present for worship services and, and connect with the community of believers. When the church is together and the Lord's name is being lifted up, you can feel the presence of the Spirit in this place. And you won't want to miss that. And yes, at times technology can be very useful when we're out of town or physically unable to be present. And we want technology to work for us, but not to become an excuse. And we are truly blessed. 
with the great, great tech team who works tirelessly to make sure our stream gets out online so that people can connect with us when they cannot physically be present with us. We're blessed with an awesome campus pastor who cares for the people of that community and works with them and helps them to get connected as best they can. But we still need community with each other. So come and engage in relationally in groups. Join a table group. Bring a friend to Alpha. Walk with someone through grief share. Jump into a Celebrate Recovery class and find strength with people who know your struggles. Bring the kids to Kids Zone and your teens to our student ministry, the well. Let's connect with each other in amazing ways as we grow together in this fall season. Come and serve sacrificially. Serving together is one of the best places to find community and to see the church in action. We have lots of opportunities to serve, both inside these walls and outside these walls. We need volunteers in our welcome ministries and our tech teams. Our student ministries and our kid ministries are pouring into the lives of this next generation and working to build a foundation of faith with them and their families. We need you to say yes to that next generation and join us as we serve those, that, those people. We need people to say yes to serving and come give joyfully. Give of your time, your talent, your treasure as we continue to reach people for Christ and work toward restoring God's ideal in our community. So we need to plant ourselves. We need to plant ourselves in this new season, in the big C, Church of God. And when you do, you will truly experience why we are so much better together. Because when we are planted together as a church, intimacy, intimacy with God is deeper Joy is found quicker. Anxieties are calmed faster. Burdens are carried. Temptations are conquered. Families are built up. God-sized dreams are realized. And our true home is discovered. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and prayer. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed, they were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, to any who had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day who were being saved. Yes, friends, we are so much better when we're together. I invite the worship team to join us. Let us pray. God, thank you today for allowing us and enabling us to gather as the family of believers here in St. Joe. God, I thank you for those who are online, who experience community online, and for those who are here today. God, help us to remember and understand the importance of being together and sharing life with each other. God, we thank you for this great church, for awesome worship experiences, God, for, for great teaching, for great opportunities to connect in groups. God, we thank you for all that you provide for us. And Father, today, I pray for that person or those people who may be wrestling with what it means to be connected into community, what it means to even know who you are. And so, God, I just ask that you, you draw near to them and embrace them. And help them to feel your presence today. 
Father, I pray for that person who, who may be at that point of thinking, you know, I just need to get connected with this Jesus guy. And so, Father, I pray that you will help them to realize that they need Jesus because we know that apart from what he did on the cross, we can't be saved. We need Jesus in our lives. We need the work that he accomplished at Calvary. God, I just pray that you be with us in these days and weeks to come. God, help us as we reconnect with each other and enjoy the fellowship of one another. And Lord, grant us the ability to see people who are being saved day by day. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.